Good morning, and welcome to Simply CRE. It's Sunday, February 11th. On today's show, we'll be discussing the commercial real estate debt crisis and how to navigate the perfect storm. Plus, find out why cities can shrug off the near 50% office occupancy rate for now. This coverage and more, up next. I'm David, and you're listening to Simply CRE. We start off with a look at the commercial real estate, or CRE, debt crisis that has begun to ignite. As remote work reshapes office demand, empty buildings have triggered landlord defaults, leaving banks that lent to developers in a precarious position. Here to discuss this further is Abby, a correspondent for Simply CRE. Can you tell us more about the current situation? Certainly, David. The situation is particularly dire for regional lenders. For instance, New York Community Bancorp stock price has plummeted and its credit rating has been downgraded to junk. The charts reveal a sobering reality. CRE loans have ballooned, delinquency rates are escalating, property values are plunging, and uneven distribution of CRE loan exposure across banks is exacerbating the crisis. What are the implications of this crisis? As profits dwindle, and the specter of a future crisis looms due to maturing loans, the vulnerability of certain banks becomes glaringly evident. The nature of this crisis, akin to watching a slow-motion train wreck, has stoked fears of a perfect storm. As leases expire and occupancy needs evolve, the current high interest rates are making it nearly impossible for developers to refinance their loans, intensifying the strain on the industry. What measures are regulators taking to mitigate this crisis? Learning from last year's banking crisis, regulators are now requiring banks to stockpile capital to cushion the blow from loan losses. However, despite these measures, smaller banks are expected to buckle under the weight of the CRE stress. What does the future hold for the CRE market? The CRE market faced significant challenges in 2023 due to policy tightening and the regional banking crisis leading to a substantial withdrawal of debt capital and a sharp drop in property sales. With $1.2 trillion of debt maturing by 2025 under tough lending conditions and higher interest rates, refinancing risks are at an all-time high. Is there any hope amidst this gloomy scenario? Yes, there is. The overall refinancing risk to the CRE market should be relatively well-contained due to the sector-specific nature of CRE, attractive valuations, and the durability of the economic expansion. The main determinant of CRE performance in 2024 will likely be the resilience of the economic expansion rather than refinancing risk. What are the risks inherent to owning and investing in real estate? These include value fluctuations, capital market pricing volatility, liquidity risks, leverage credit risk, occupancy risk, and legal risk. The Fed's interventions in 2023 have contained the threat of deposit runs, but struggling property owners could still pose a challenge to a handful of vulnerable regional banks. The Fed is acutely aware of the risk and is in the process of lowering the benchmark rate to help restore real estate asset values. Thanks for joining us, Abby. Now shifting gears to the commercial real estate market, four years after the COVID-19 pandemic brought about significant changes in our daily lives, U.S. offices remain about half vacant. Office occupancy in 10 of the largest U.S. metropolitan areas rose to a new high of 53% for the week ended January 31st, 
according to Castle Systems. However, cities seem to be shrugging off the implications of these empty offices for the commercial real estate market. Here to discuss this further is James, a correspondent for Simply CRE. Can you tell us more about the current state of office occupancy and its impact on the commercial real estate market? Certainly, David. The reluctance or refusal of workers to return to offices has indeed shaken the real estate market. For instance, New York Community Bancorp was cut to junk this week by Moody's Investors Service after it announced it was slashing payouts and stockpiling reserves to cover troubled loans tied to commercial real estate. However, cities seem to be managing this situation because commercial real estate is not a key driver of general fund revenues for the majority of local governments. So how are cities managing these declines in commercial real estate? Michael Rinaldi, head of U.S. local governments at Fitch Ratings, suggests that declines can be managed through careful expenditure management and stability in other revenue sources, including residential property taxes, sales tax, utility taxes, and so on. The property tax is the bedrock of most municipal finance, and any decline in a property's assessed valuation, which are affected by vacancy rates, will translate to a decrease in taxes collected. What about the cities with large central business districts? How are they coping with this situation? For those cities, the pressure would be more meaningful, but not insurmountable. The full impact of commercial real estate valuation declines on tax revenues will likely be phased in over several years, allowing time for contingency plans to take hold. Scott Neese, director and lead analyst at S&P Global Ratings, agreed that any decline in the commercial real estate market would be felt only gradually. So, what does this mean for the future of commercial real estate in major cities? Nice suggests that most cities would see some level of tax shifting, where residential and other commercial properties end up shouldering a larger share of the tax burden, given that the office share of assessed value has declined relative to other properties. He sees a stable credit picture for most major cities, but one that is evolving and where risks are likely to continue amplifying through at least the next few years. Thanks for the update, James. Now, shifting our focus to North Texas, the commercial real estate sector there is witnessing a sharp decline in value, a situation that could potentially impact jurisdictions that rely on property tax collections from these entities. Factors such as policy firming by the Federal Reserve and a decrease in demand for office space are contributing to this downturn. Here to delve deeper into this issue is our correspondent, Bella. Can you explain what's happening in the commercial real estate market in North Texas? Yes, David. The commercial real estate sector in North Texas has been experiencing a significant drop in value. This is due to a combination of factors, including policy changes by the Federal Reserve and a decrease in demand for office space. For instance, the Gateway Tower at 8111 LBJ Freeway is valued at $12.5 million in a pending bankruptcy sale, despite a tax appraisal of $20.2 million. Similarly, in 2023, the CityLine Office Tower Complex in Richardson sold for about $124 million less than its appraised property tax value. How is this affecting the cities where these properties are located? Cities where commercial real estate values are depreciating the most are likely to be the hardest hit by the overall drop in local property tax payments. 
Susan Gwynne Burks, senior vice president with Dallas-based commercial property firm Avison Young, suggests that this could greatly impact the tax revenues of these cities. Many owners protest their taxes every year due to loss of revenue or vacancy, market dynamics, and so on, and typically get relief if the evidence is there. With the deeply diminished value comparables, they will be able to use as evidence to protest their taxes. It will probably make a significant difference. But despite these concerns, less than 1% of transactions in 2023 were considered distressed. Can you explain this? That's correct, David. According to Alexis Malton, Vice President of Research with MSCI, despite the drop in commercial real estate prices, distressed properties only represented a very minimal part of the market in Dallas. Offices, where the pain is most noted, have seen prices come down 27% from their peak early in 2022. However, across other asset classes, price declines have been minimal or non-existent. So, what does this mean for the future of the commercial real estate market in North Texas? Malton suggests that while the valuation for specific assets and or specific asset classes may be falling, as more assets come online, they will hit the market with a higher taxable value than whatever existed previously in their place. This could potentially offset some of the losses from the current downturn. Thanks for that update, Bella. Now let's shift our focus to the town of Westbrook, where a dying mall may soon see a new lease on life. The Westbrook Outlets, an open-air shopping center, has been identified as the potential site for a $425 million development project. This project, still in its early stages, proposes a mix of residential and commercial space, including apartments, townhouse condominiums, retail and entertainment components, and possibly a hotel and an amphitheater. Here with us to discuss this development is our correspondent, Celeste. Can you tell us more about this project and how it came about? Certainly, David. The project is being developed by Hartford-based Lexington Partners in collaboration with the outlet's owner, T. Westbrook Center. The outlets were only 25% occupied, prompting T. Westbrook Center to seek a new direction. The proposed development is massive, twice the size of anything Lexington Partners has ever done. Their previous projects include the Tannery, a nine-building, 250-unit apartment complex in Glastonbury, and the Borden, a mixed-use development in Wethersfield. What makes the Westbrook outlets a suitable site for such a large-scale development? The location of the Westbrook outlets is a key factor. It's right off Interstate 95, near the train station, and has all the amenities of a shore community. Few homes would be impacted by the proposed development. The population and average household income within a three-mile radius of the outlets also make it an attractive site for such a project. What are the next steps for this project? Lexington Partners recently made an informal presentation to the Westbrook Zoning Commission and will soon submit an application to the State Department of Energy and Environmental Protection for approval of the development's proposed subsurface sewage disposal system. Without that approval, the project cannot proceed. They hope to break ground in the second quarter of 2025 and complete construction in 2027. And how has the local community reacted to this proposed development? The reaction has been mostly positive, though some residents have expressed concern about an influx of residents if the development gets built. The town planner, Peter Gillespie, has noted that the plan will continue to evolve in response to feedback and changing circumstances. Thanks for the insights, Celeste. 
And with that, we wrap up our stories for today. Thanks for listening to Simply CRE. We'll see you back here tomorrow.